Hi, I'm Michael. This that's that's Christian, right, Christian? Yeah. Hello. Welcome to the special guest edition of Pillows on the Windows. Yeah, we're filling in for Tucker and Carly again, and as as with the last time, we have a long list of foreign movies. Yay! Woo! Uh, so I I don't know about you, Christian, but I I um. For a while, I have been kind of meaning to do some kind of more meaningful dive into Hong Kong movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen a, my fair share of, like, the essentials and stuff. And, and really, I mean, the list we, we kind of went with today was really pretty much just essentials. Mostly. Mostly essentials. There's one in there that really isn't. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so this was sort of my excuse to force you and then and then to force you to watch a bunch of movies with subtitles um so i guess i, I don't know how we want to lead into this um Hong i Kong love is a china pl- yeah. i hope my social scr- credit score goes up now yeah uh there's yeah there's some stuff to talk about with that i think um i guess to kind of preface this so uh and neither christian are Christian and I are, are, are not experts on, on sort of Hong Kong cinema or Hong Kong film. We Very just watched true. a bunch of movies. But um, it's worth kind of talking about, I guess, Hong Kong as a place, just to kind of preface this. I mean, for the longest time, it was a British colony. It kind of existed independent of China. It was sort of a, uh, the, the, lo- the short version of it is it was a Chinese, it was like a, an island with a couple fishing villages on it. Britain won a couple imperial wars um, <laughs> over the right to sell drugs in China, um, opium specifically, and then claimed Hong Kong. And then for about a century, Hong Kong was a British colony, kind of became this really like wealthy uh, trading center opposite of China at the same time that China is going through things like uh, the the Civil War, World War Two, which World War Two comes to Hong Kong as well, and then the the, um, the sort of rise of the Communist Party and stuff. So it's like this whole different world almost. I mean, a lot of the people living in Ch- in, in Hong Kong uh, were refugees from China coming over, sort of in that that period immediately after the Civil War, and then for a couple decades after. Um, and it really sort of develops its own like like flair, its own image. It's sort of like there's this part of it that is really related to China, then there's this part of it that's really on its own, and that's why I think you get these this this sort of thing as you watch these movies where a lot of it is is kind of like there's some of it, especially the later stuff, which is probably like after Hong Kong is repatriated to China, it's it's more nationalistic and and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you notice that with a couple of these in particular. Sure. Um, but also you have like this whole different world of like maybe extreme versions of like Western movies, some kind of like international stuff going on. Um, yeah. So it kind of creates this like interesting place for, for sort of its own film language to develop. Um, I don't know. Do you have any kind of like, I guess any kind of like, is this your first time really going into any of these movies, Christian? I think this is my first time ever watching a Chinese language film. Really? And like all together? Like- yes, sir. And I didn't hmm. spot a single Winnie the Pooh. Xi Jinping must be pleased. Yeah. Really? Where was it? Where Where was the Winnie? No, I didn't spot a single one. Oh, okay. Sorry, Michael. Okay. I'll let gonna... you down. Okay. 
Well, there goes my dreams of this being steam bombed. Um, so, I don't know how we want to begin because there's kind of a big list here. I do need to give you the heads up, Christian. I was not able to watch every movie on the list. No I was planning on rewatching Kung Fu Hustle, a movie I've seen close to five or six times now. <laughs> and I was planning on rewatching. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I was unable to do so. But I've also seen that movie, too, so I can still talk about it. Um, nice! So I'm, I need to apologize, because this is another example of me forcing a huge list on you and then not holding up to my side of the bargain. Nah, you're good. I pick, I, I watched more on top of it because I was curious. Right. That's interesting. Okay. I And then I watched those same movies that you put on top of them, because a couple oh. of them are movies I haven't seen before. And Dude. it was exciting. You're such a Chinese film master. Oh yeah, is that our is that our segue? You're the Jackie Chan of Chinese film, the, the Bruce the, Lee, the, the film, yeah, the Grandmaster Ip Man of Chinese film. I don't know where we're getting at. You've where, done it, Michael. I've done it. What did I do? You've ascended. Oh, interesting. China loves Ooh. you now. Hmm. Okay, I never been loved before. Um, so do you? Where do we want to start? I mean, we got a want? big list here, Christian. Hit me. Any any kind of like any? Do you have any any dream starting points, or do we kind of just want to jump in with like what's what's first in the the timeline? Wherever here? you want to, Michael. I usually watch these movies in release order. Okay, so you started then with Drunken Master. Correct, Amundo. Okay, did you? I need to ask. Did you watch this thing dubbed, or did you watch this thing with subs, or how how? What's Ooh. what's the 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 watching? Experience I watched subbed here? for all of these films. I did not know there was a dub out there. Interesting. Okay, is it good dub? <laughs> it's ridiculous dubbed. <laughs> uh, it, imagine a bunch of like. I can't. I I really hope it's not white actors because otherwise, <laughs> then it gets really racist. But like, is a bunch of uh, 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 it's a lot. <laughs> You know, it's it does that token thing like like oh the 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 dubs aren't matching the words on the what they're Ooh. saying and stuff. And it's kind of like a, a kind of like a cheap charm to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the dubs for Drunken Master, the Jackie Chan movie, were kind of nuts. There's really? a lot of like over the top swearing that's just Ooh. thrown in, and then like it seems. I don't know if it's a translation thing or not, but I feel like there's a, a, a bit of a strangeness in trying to translate the comedy into English. And I'm not saying this is someone who can speak <laughs> Cantonese. Sure. Um, I don't. Cause I, so I can't say exactly what the, the jokes are or stuff, but it just seems like so... I don't know if it's maybe more cartoonish because it's being spoken in English, yeah. but it's... Yeah, I don't know. It was fun. It's it's. It, I did end up watching this with the dub. Ooh. I thought... It, I actually had thought I'd seen this movie before, and it turns out I didn't because there's a sequel to this movie, and that's <gasps> the one that I've seen years ago. Does that one also star Jackie Chan? It does. Really? It's like, 20 years, it's like 15, 20 years later. No way. Does that yeah. mean the old man master isn't in it? I don't remember if he's in it. I don't think he is. I think his dad is in it. What? I think his dad comes back. <laughs> but he's, oh, Jackie Chan's dad. I thought you were talking about the old man Master's dad. I was like, he's no. not in it, but his dad is? How old is he? Okay, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> no, um, no, Jackie Chan's dad comes back. Jackie's in it. Um, yeah, so I don't know. What would you think? Do you have any kind of like, like, what you, you, What was your takeaways from Drunken Master there, Christian? That was a lot of fun. My first Jackie Chan film ever. 
Really? Yep. You never For even sure. had like the, the whole rush hour thing as a kid? Nope, never did. There was the cartoon show with Jackie Chan. I think I had one episode of that on a DVD that came in a cereal box. Oh, cool. So I got that behind me. But no, first Jackie Chan film. Thought it was a lot of fun. It's very manic and high energy, which I got into a lot. And just the fight scenes. It's just relentless on the fight scenes, which I really, really liked. It's It knew what I wanted and it gave it to me, Michael. Yeah. And that's that was one of the things that kind of blew my mind watching this because I feel like... Like watching movie fight scenes now feels so different. Like the the, oh, yeah. the just the physicality of it, mm-hmm. and then the acrobatics, and then there's this thought of like there's this this realization that this is Jackie Chan doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Like this is physical. This is like it's 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 like a physical action. This is this is something that you are watching happen on screen. People who are trained to do this thing very well. And they're just doing it, and not only are they just doing it, they're doing it in a way that has this this so much character to it, this like comedic performance alongside this very serious like this very serious image of combat, and it's really cool, I think like that it kind of like took me away because like you you think of like an action movie now, and you have so much of it is like garbled up cgi stuff mm-hmm. so much of it is cut so that you don't see that it's a mm-hmm. a stunt double doing things if that's even if you're even lucky enough to be in that situation right so then to to flash back to to jackie chan kicking around someone's hat while rolling around on the floor yes. and just like it's so fun and good and i don't know i had fun with this movie same yeah yeah it's a throwback time to an era where they didn't like you said, have to make sure the camera was behind the person who's fighting all the time so you can see their face and see that it's someone else where they didn't have to like zoom in really far on everything and cut 50 times so you couldn't quite tell that they weren't actually doing real martial arts the whole time. Yeah. Mwah. I think, was there, I feel like there, was there some of that here? Some of that kind of like cutting away in different ways so that you don't see, for, obviously for not for Jackie Chan and then I don't think mm-hmm. for uh, the... The assassin who mm. in the dub was called Thunderlegs. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, they're both, I, I know for a fact, Jackie Chan is obviously a trained like acrobat and, and such. And then Thunder, the, the assassin is, uh, I forget his name, but he's a, a Taekwondo master. Ooh. So he actually knows, he's physically doing all of this stuff. He's, he's trained to do these things. Um, I feel like there were at least a couple of times. There had to have been a couple of times where they did the the. Probably. We're showing his opponent from behind, so. Right. We can hide the fact they don't actually know karate. I think it with the old man especially. I think this was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it maybe kind of helped that you could always kind of hide the the stunt double's face with uh, with a fake beard and fake mm-hmm. mustache and, and a lot of other stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. So it was it was fun. It was a fun movie. Yeah. You like this Would movie, you, uh, How do you think the comedy worked out? I enjoyed it because it's they 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 weave it into the fights a lot of the time, which I liked. It's slapsticky in like a Tom mm-hmm. and Jerry kind of way, which I also liked. Like there, there's always like a little gimmick in all the fights, which made it all interesting for me. I guess like the very first one, the very last one, are a little light on the gimmicks, but almost every other one has something going on. Whether it's a body on a stretcher that they smack up into each other every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Or they're fighting in a market, and then they're toying around with like a sword or something, and then yeah, and he's he's smacking him with a dull edge. Yes, and, yes, and, yeah. 
always a gimmick, kept me interested and engaged and having fun the whole time, even when there's a bald dude who headbutts people, and that's his gimmick. Yeah. Um, some of the... Uh, the There was, like, a moment, the, the restaurant fight scene, mm. where it was... It was like, okay, this is something that definitely would not be made today. Yeah. But um, just because of sort of the, the, you get these very like, like caricature-esque right. images of the, the, the big bulky chef and then the, yeah. the guy with the, the, the son with the buck teeth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> oh, huh. That's right. It's like, huh. <laughs> but um, the, how do you feel like, as far as like a, a story goes, because obviously the the visual stuff is a ton of fun, but I mean, I think at the at part of this story is this like redemption of Jackie Chan's character in a way, because he's sort of impulsive at the beginning, kind of, but at the same time, like I, there was some stuff that I think was lost that was kind of muddled to me. But sure. Yeah. I guess what do you what do you think? How do how do you feel about Jackie Chan developing as a character throughout this? Yeah, I'm with you on that, Michael. He's He's like a troublemaker, and then he's always trying to get away or get out of everything until all of a sudden he isn't. But he still is because he doesn't learn the last fighting style or whatever, but he still does yeah. fine in the end. It was weird to me, though, because one of the fights that got him into trouble was because he was helping an older <laughs> an older gentleman who was, like, fleeced out of... yeah. Like he was fleeced out of his, his this jade pendant that he said was like his only prized possession. Yeah, and then that's broken. And here it, it's like Jackie Chan's character is this this benevolent character, this like hero or something. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after that fight, it's about how he's an impulsive, yeah, maroon and and just a bad person. And you're like, yeah, okay, he did some bad things too, <laughs> but it felt weird that the, there was never this like attempt to to defend at least that fight, the one that put the, the one guy under the stretcher. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah. It was weird to me. A little, dis- little, little, and then that just doesn't come up again. Like we don't get this image of like until after, you know, the, the, the sort of big transitions happen. You don't get this image of, of Jackie Chan as like a flawed impulsive character. Mm-hmm. You just get him kind of as an impulsive asshole. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does feel like the story just goes wherever it needs to to set up the fight scene for any particular scene. But if it means that the fight scenes are as cool as they are, I was there for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't think you're watching uh, Junkie, uh, Jackie Chan's Drunken Master for uh, necessarily for the character work as much as you are for right. the, the show, the 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 theatrics yes you know for a movie called drunken master michael i don't it kind of subverted my expectations a little bit i thought i was really i thought it was really going to be honed in on the drunken master part of it but that only kind of seems to be tangentially related to the core that is jackie chan fighting people with the way he fights people and i don't know what what caused that or planted that seed in my brain but I think it was uh, someone talking about Jar Jar Binks' fighting style potentially being analogous to the Drunken Master fighting style, where he's very (laughs) loosey-goosey all over the place, you know? And that's not, like, when when he gets to the end and he learns... Dribbling the little blue ball into the tanks. Exactly, yes. 
And that's not, the fighting doesn't do a lot of that. At the end, no. he learns all the fighting styles of the drunken masters. And then he, like, learns the fighting style of the man with this powerful left foot or something. And then he doesn't kick once. And I'm like, okay, I guess that powerful foot was really good for a lot. Yeah, and that's, it's interesting. Because everything feels so much more intentional in... Oh, sure. Like, the whole... Like, I'm sure there's, like, a, a an argument that cinematically mm. Jar Jar Binks's buffoonery is a is a reference to to something or another but i mean it's like it's it feels as though visually night and night and day yeah like Jar Jar what Jar Jar's doing is being a a, a goober and accidentally destroying things mm-hmm. and Jackie Chan's character is pretty intentional right. with everything every every hit every yeah yeah so you know how it is where did you hear the Jar Jar thing? I feel like I've heard that too. I don't know. It might but. have been a Red Letter Media video or something. No, that's not where it would have been. I don't know. Some video somewhere. I feel like that makes sense because so much of those movies are just references to mm-hmm. to other movies. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Any any other kind of thoughts on Drunken Master? It seems like a really fun thing to lead on. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good start. It was a good start, Michael. You did good. Uh, It's interesting that you watch the English dub because it seems like a lot of these movies are just 80 yard. How do you mean? Like they're clearly just recorded in a booth afterwards. The all the voice lines or most of them. Some of it. Okay, and this was something that I came across too Mm. while scrounging the idiot the the internet for um for ways to watch some of these movies Mm because some of these are hard to find. There's like yes. I, I don't know, but some of them are are dubbed in other languages, uh, and that was okay. sort of the experience I had. Is a lot of the ones where I was having that same like kind of like that I was noticing that weird, um, di- like that that weird sort of disconnect. Yeah, and I think a part of it was that I was watching dubs in other languages because mm. those were the streams that were available to me. Interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like I think the. Don't quote me on this. I might be way off base, and I might just be an idiot. But I'm th- like, when I watched Hard Boiled, I think I ended up watching it in uh, a Mandarin dub of it, which I didn't realize until oh. I started recognizing more words than I, I, I realized I would have recognized. Really? Are the, is it like Mandarin and Cantonese? Are those the two big Chinese languages? Uh, so Mandarin is the is sort of the Chinese language that is spoken in Beijing, and that's sort of the one that's taught everywhere. Okay. Um, Specifically, a dialect of Mandarin. Okay. Um, and then, as you travel around China, there's a ton of regional dialects, and then there's a bunch of whole other languages that are sort of talked about as dialects. Dang. Like Cantonese is is distinct enough that it's probably its own language, but it's often talked about as a dialect of Chinese. And, Interesting. And there's there's politics to that. There's Ooh. reasons for that. But um, typically, with these movies, what it's been has been Chinese and Cantonese. Okay. Cantonese being what's spoken more in the southern, southeastern part of China and Hong hmm. Kong area. So like, okay. Okay. So Hong Kong is more Cantonese? Yeah. Hong Kong and, can, and you speak Cantonese in Hong Kong. Typically. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, got it. You have enlightened me. So that's, that's sort of the language thing here. But I noticed that I was having like dub, can, like I was having Mandarin dubs for a couple mm. movies or. Got it. Sometimes dubs in another language I didn't even recognize. Really? And just, yeah, and that's just sort of the I think the the challenge of watching international movies these days too. And it was weird that some of these were so hard to find. 
Sure, like something yeah. like Hard Boiled, which is held up as like this this action movie mm-hmm. like watermark, and it's just not available almost anywhere. I found a YouTube stream, which is great, but Ooh. it was so weird to me that this movie that's considered like one of John Woo's greatest movies and one of the the best action movies ever made, depending on who you talk to, yeah, was like unavailable. That's bizarre. This man directed Mission Impossible to preserve his movies. Yeah. This man made Face Off. That's right. What a fascinating career John Woo must have had. Man. Yeah. It's kind of exciting. It's interesting. And I don't know. I think his career is like... Because he starts with like these Hong Kong movies. And some of them are considered like masterpieces in the action genre. Just in, and like foundational pieces for a lot of what we look at as, as the modern like action movie. Like some of the stuff that's going on in, in a in a John Wick movie, as mm-hmm. far as like the the, oh. the way the action flows, sure. the way it sort of blends both like martial arts and gun, <laughs> and firearms, all of mm-hmm. that sort of a kind of thing that traces back to to like what John Woo was doing with stuff like like uh, Hard Boiled, which Hard Boiled is probably the most famous one of his Hong Kong movies, but he's got mm-hmm. other ones. The most famous. I think it's his most famous of his of his Hong Kong movies. Dang. And it's hard to find. Yeah. That sucks. I, kind of, yeah. And some of his other ones I think like Bullet in the Head and stuff are t- pretty much are pretty typically well respected and I think they're also kind of hard to find. I I wonder if it's like a it just feels like it's one of these things with like modern streaming where you can't with so much of like the rights are all over the place, sure. so much of the publication rights. Yeah. I think Criterion has the physical, the rights to the physical release for John Woo's Hong Kong stuff, but and, not the digital. It's not on. It's but it's not on like the channel. Weird. And it's not on like you can't. And it's not available at least as of taping. Yes. Yeah. It's not a, available on like Amazon Prime. Yeah. I didn't see it on like Apple streaming or whatever the Apple streaming. Yep. Uh, devices it's just it's it's it feels weirdly inaccessible and it's not the only movie on this list that i had a hard time finding a, sure. a stream form but it's one of the ones that was maybe the most like jarring to me that it was hard to find interesting speaking of which i guess do you want to talk about hard boiled sure dude what do you what do you think of hard boiled christian i thought it was pretty good i didn't understand what was happening in the first half but when stuff was blowing up in a hospital in the second half yeah i was there for it um, yeah, I think that's one of these things where it's like, typically the, the opinion of hard boiled is the plot's not the most coherent thing in the world. There's like some insider cop stuff going on. Yes. Um, there's, there's, and that kind of drama, but people are like, so much of it is like, like Tony Lung's character is undercover. Mm-hmm. And then he just breaks cover for some reason and shoots a bunch of people. They show up at the dock for some reason. And there's just these big gunfights. And then the other the other hard-boiled cop by uh performed by I believe I'm letting you down here, Christian. One second. No worries. The other cop, uh yeah, Chow Yun Fat. Um Ah. he's the the detective and like they're at each other's throats but they both know they're they're cops and they're also both out to get this one guy like the plot doesn't make the most sense but as like a vehicle for setting up this insane hospital sequence Mm -hmm. 
kind of okay. I'm a kind of okay with it not making sense because some of the like the the stuff hap- like the action stuff happening in this movie is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Things blow up everywhere, Michael. They do. They're tossing babies out of windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think they got... only reload guns like three times, but yeah. hundreds of thousands uh, of bullets are probably shot. There was uh, a I, I was I was thinking about this, and there's a YouTuber that I uh, that I follow. Uh, uh, they produce under the name Accented Cinema, and they had like a whole thing on this where the way to kind of read a a, a John a John Woo like action movie like this mm-hmm. is to think of it more in terms of like ancient warriors fighting with magic and stuff, what? but instead of like swords and stuff. So instead of thinking like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yeah, like replace you take that take that mold and instead of like jumping over wires and having fights with ninjas and stuff, mm-hmm. you're your cops fighting fighting gangs with Ooh. guns and things and that kind of lets you with that mindset you kind of get to step away you don't have to think about like oh yeah he they haven't stopped to reload any of these guns at right. all they're getting shot and they're still walking and and doing everything fine and still able to go forward with this um like like think of like think of it just in, in along those lines and suddenly everything is like yeah i find it easier to just be kind of into the whole totally like just to be able to kind of like accept the the reality of this world right. where you just have these 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 butch cops shooting at <laughs> gangsters. Yeah, he like breaks having... down the window into a warehouse full of bad dudes solo, and he comes <laughs> out fine. Uh, is he like? I forget. Is he like on a a, a string or something? Is yeah, he like I think swinging so. through yep. here? I think so. Yeah, there's the guy who has who gets like his face burned or something, and he has the eye patch, and he's. <laughs> there too and that's why it kind of also is okay then to have these like one-on-one fights where it feels more like yeah you know you'd have like where like if this was like a fantasy it'd be a sword fight or something but instead you've got a cop and a a gangster and they're like on opposite sides of Mm -hmm. this hospital room and they're ducking and diving as they're shooting at each other Mm -hmm. um yeah um it's fun it's a fun movie yeah, the whole second half, I think, almost entirely is just that hospital sequence. So they really got their money's worth out of that hospital set. Woo wee! Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of crazy. I like. I wonder what the 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 writing process for this movie was. Ooh, sure. Just sitting down. Was it like the intention of was writing this movie around the hospital <laughs> scene, or whether or not it just kind of naturally came to that? Right. Because <laughs> um, it's kind of crazy to think about too. The reason they're in the hospital, they're fighting in this hospital, is because. This one uh, arms dealer has built an entire like weapons warehouse underneath the <laughs> <Yeah>. hospital, <laughs> access through the hospital's morgue, which is also very silly yeah. and kind of nuts. But um, no, you get there's there's at least one sequence that's like this. You know that that classic like I don't know if it's classic. I feel like this is maybe pioneering it in a way. Mm-hmm. The you have the one camera. And it's just following them through the hallway yes. and swiveling around mm. and that one shot kind of thing that, yes. that, that like Birdman was doing and mm-hmm. um, a couple other movies. I think uh, there's a, an action movie with Charlie's Theron. That, can, Atomic Blonde oh, did it too. Sure. It was really effective the way they did it. But like this, it, it feels like that's all coming back to the, like this, this hard, one hard boiled where it's following the two through the the hospital hallway mm-hmm. 
it's just so cool. It all oh, yeah. it feels revolutionary in a way, the way it's kind of doing all of this stuff. But totally, and like walls are bursting apart, and the whole time yeah. I'm just thinking, I just have like disbelief at the fact that if anyone or anything got screwed up, they would have had to redo all of that over again. Just insane yeah. the shots that they were able to capture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sequences. The uh, um. And just so much of the hospital sequence is also so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That I feel bad going just the ho- just like focusing on the hospital sequence, sure. but even it felt like such an important. It felt like the reason this movie existed. Right. Um, I also really like the opening. Yeah. fight. Yeah. a lot. It's a good way to well, help grab your attention. Yeah, where they're trying to, I think they're trying to stop a, a gun sales inside this cafe. Yeah, there's hiding, birds everywhere. Yeah, they're hiding weapons in the bird cages mm-hmm. and and stuff and. You've got the 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 Chinese fats characters sliding down the rails of the, the staircase <laughs> yep, with yep. the twin guns. He's not running out of ammo, but he's just like do 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 do. Um, and it's also filmed in a way that I think is like it's interesting because I feel like so much of this movie is filmed in a way that you're supposed to you're like looking up at these characters oh. as though they're these kind of like Titanic figures and sure totally. Um, and I think sort of lends and lends more to this like. This this fewer like the, this way of viewing it more as as you're watching mythological characters fight each other, <sighs> and just instead of instead of magical swords, they have shotguns and stuff, and which is honestly great. I love that more of that, please. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm glad you yeah. opened my eyes to thinking about a movie that way, Michael. Oh, it wasn't me. It was it was other other people have kind of had these ideas before. It's just it's interesting. I think, um, but I don't know, like. What do you, I guess, any other kind of thoughts on Hard Boiled? I like how the poster, or at least one poster, is him holding a shotgun with a band-aid on his forehead holding a baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's in the cop uniform. I don't think he, he ever wore that uniform nope. at all in that sequence. But, uh, Genius. Yeah. It's nuts. Oh, my God. What a nuts movie. Would you, do you think you'd go and watch any of the other, uh, yeah, the other, any of John Woo's other stuff now? Oh, yeah. I'm super curious because I know that I've heard the name before for sure. I've only watched yeah. Mission Impossible 2, I think, when I was like, I don't know, 10. But I don't remember it very well. But the legacy of John Woo seems like it still lives on. I still hear his name mentioned. I still see his name on the PS3 copy of Stranglehold. And I want yeah. to understand him more. Uh, with the the special edition of Hard Boiled dvd or something right like it came with a stranglehold like isn't stranglehold a sequel to hard-boiled is it really i wasn't aware of this think it is i think yeah and i think he wanted to do a movie version of it too and i don't know if that ever panned out but this is insane. i want to say stranglehold is a sequel to hard-boiled wow which is why you could get the dvd for (laughs) hard-boiled by buying stranglehold (laughs) you're blowing my mind right now michael this is insane um have you ever so you only watched have you ever seen any of his other like big American action movies? I don't think so. I haven't seen Face Off. Does he got other okay. ones? I haven't seen Face Off either, which is feels almost sacrilegious. But <gasps> um he does So I've I grew up watching with with parents who like to watch a lot of Cold War era and mm. post, like immediately afterwards after Cold War era action movies. Sure, sure. So like I've seen a lot of Hard Target and Broken Arrow. Hard Target's more fun than Broken Arrow. Um, 
Broken Arrow is very weird. It's like they're, they're, like the whole thing is about trying to recover a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. And the villain is John Travolta, and he's really over the top. <laughs> this is this a John Woo movie? Yeah, it's a John Woo movie. You must have liked Travolta, huh? I, I guess so. <laughs> I think it's like one of those things where you, you find actors you like. Oh, right, right, right. Um, it's a lot of directors who do that shtick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like how how Scorsese always yeah, does yeah, yeah. a... Or I guess these days Scorsese. Well, he always does De Niro, and now these days he does a lot of DiCaprio. Right, right, right. You got Tarantino so. likes people, Chris Nolan likes people. They yeah, like their you've people. Got your, you've got your your teams, your casts. Oh, I have oh. seen another John Woo movie, Wind Talkers, starring Nicolas yeah. Cage. Is apparently a John Woo movie. Saw that one. Uh, that's a. I used to have that movie on DVD. <gasps> I used to really like it. Yeah. As a kid, because I thought it was like a really good war movie yeah. but it's kind of uh, a mess <laughs> hasn't aged the best huh no it's not <laughs> a very good movie i think um, my dad i don't know my dad saw that movie like on a list of like hidden gem movies or something so he got like a brazilian blu-ray or something so that we could watch it <laughs> that's funny the glory days it's crazy yeah i think just to kind of like spin off here in the wind talkers without going too far um I think it still does the action movie stuff really well. Oh, yeah. Which I think then kind of, I think that's sort of like like John Woo's strength as a director. And right. I think it kind of shows in Wind Talkers, even though Wind Talkers as a movie isn't, I think hurts more in its dramatic beats. Sure, yeah. Um, so I just looked it up. Yeah, Stranglehold is very much a sequel to Hard Boiled. Dang, that is insane. I think that's really ridiculous and kind of fun. You've blown my mind. Um, yeah, it's it's starring the the same detective, Chow Yun Fat's character. No way. So so, have you ever played Stranglehold? <laughs> no, never have I ever. Okay, you're making me want to even more now, though. I kind of want to. Yeah, I kind of am thinking about it now. It's like, huh? I don't have a way to play it, Dang unfortunately. It. But, but uh, yeah. So okay, so those are two movies we watched, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we watched, watched them. a lot of. A lot of them movies, though. Do you kind of? I don't. I don't have a timeline in front of me. What kind of? Where should we be going next, Christian? The next movie I watched, Michael, was not an action movie. Ah, in the mood for love, two thousand. Ooh, mm. the new millennium. Out of curiosity, why was this one the next one? If we're going in like, right, 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 right. This was because this is the original list, Michael, the canonical list of recommended movies before I went right. off on my own and then went AWOL. Right. So that's why I watched In the Mood for Love before the other ones. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I picked In the Mood for Love because I it's it's honestly one of my favorite movies. Wow. I think it's just like beautifully filmed and edited and beautifully written. I think the performances are insanely good. Sure, sure. I really like Tony Lung as an actor, and I think this is one of his best performances. Um, I think the the sort of melodrama here, it's it kind of feels like wheel spinning at, ti- at times, but also I just feel like I, I love watching these two uh, characters. Was it like Mr. Chow and Mrs. Chan? Yeah, I may be missing up the surnames, but um, kind of wrestle with the fact they're 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 uh, their partners are cheating on them, and it's just like watching them act.
act out that kind of affair mm -hmm. at times and at other times try to act out the sort of confronting their their uh significant other over this just it, it was like to me this kind of creative and also beautiful and and touching way of of trying to come to terms with a thing that was clearly clearly getting to them like clearly not traumatizing but sure I don't know, just coming to terms with something that was that was obviously not bad and not really fair to these two. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Tony Leung, Leung, he's the same guy who plays uh, It Man in the Grandmaster. Yeah, he ah. also plays the he plays the mole in <gasps> Hard Boiled. He plays the oh mole in gosh. Infernal Affairs. Oh my gosh! He's in that Shang Chi movie. Oh jeez, this dude's prolific. I think we're gonna. Yeah, I don't know. Jeez. He's one of my favorite actors. I think he's very talented. Dang. I think he's a very good actor. That's nuts. I didn't realize that was the same guy. He's such a good actor. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of In the Mood for Love, Chris? That was pretty good. Uh, like you mentioned, the cinematography is just a feast for the eyes. Really, really like how there's a lot of, not only are the shots gorgeous looking, but there's a lot of like exterior stuff, a lot of looking at people through windows or like through mm. closets or like across corners or like behind drapes, stuff like that, where it feels like you're really peeking in on this little quaint situation that's developing between these two people over the course mm. of what's just, you know, a normal, normal people's lives over a stretch of time where they're dealing with stuff that doesn't involve fighting each other or blowing things up with guns. <laughs> It's uh is this your first Wong Kar Wai movie? Oh, I think so. I don't think I've okay. ever heard of him before this. You never you've never seen like Chungking Express? No, sir. Never even heard of it. Is that a good film? Uh it's probably one of the it's it's yeah, I think it's very good. It's <gasps> one of my favorite movies. It's another one of what? my favorite movies. It's another one of these sort of like more dramatic ones, but I think it's a little more wistful. Um Tony Lung's also in that one. Whoa, he's everywhere. Yeah, but uh it's I don't know. I just think this movie is so creative with the way it frames this very quiet story. You've got a lot of like very claustrophobic, yes, um, yes, claustrophobic shots in this this apartment building, and yeah, you've got a lot of a lot of red, a lot of very. It's very color heavy. Yeah, cool colors. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a and just I really like this this. I think this angle of it being too characters whose significant others are cheating on i don't know how to word that <laughs> yeah it's like you've got a you've got one guy whose wife is cheating with the husband of this other of this of this woman mm -hmm. that's sort of like the and then this is about how the the husband and the wife who are being cheated on sort of come to terms with that and i think sort of the ways they they do that i think are just kind of creative on them on their own i really like this these parts where they're acting out the affair. I really like these parts where they're, they're at a diner together and mm -hmm. they're trying to order what their significant other would normally order. Mm -hmm. And it's like a, an overcooked steak where they dip it in ketchup and stuff. It's like, what the hell? But, um, <laughs> uh, it's just, I really, really like that. I think that's a creative way of being able to do this, this sort of melodramatic story that I, I think other people, places of obvious that, that obviously have been done before but sure um and it creates kind of like this engaging way of of sort of framing these two characters as they come to terms with this 
and also I think like fall in love with each other, but they don't ever act, really act on it. Right. Um, and there's like parts of it where it feels like they're they're role playing, and then parts of it where you don't know if they're actually role playing mm-hmm. or if this is them actually developing a relationship with each other and being sincere. And it's just a, I think it's a fun, not fun. I think it's a very clever way and a ver- way to go about this this story and really making it kind of unique and and beautiful in a in a very human way. Oh. I really, really yeah. like the theme song that they got for it. I don't know if it's the theme or what, but it's like a violin song. Yeah. Fantastic. They can play that over literally any scene and it'll just fit perfectly because of the tone of the movie. Yeah. I really like the and I guess also the other reason I wanted to pick this was because it was like I think it was interesting how it's set in like sixty nineteen sixties Hong Kong. So it was a way to get this this image of a city that we wouldn't really be touching on much with these oh. this collection of movies because we're going to be looking at like southeastern China in in the 30s and stuff before the Japanese occupation and then during the Japanese occupation we're going to be doing modern stuff. Sure. It felt like a way to kind of shoehorn this image of this more nostalgic image of of Hong Kong in as well. Interesting. Um what was the state of Hong Kong in the 60s? I don't know exactly. I think it was still kind of like modernizing or developing in a big way. This was still like this was like it, it as the British colony and it as sort oh, of okay. the, the big Western, like the big Western port in sure in, sure in Asia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's you get a lot of that. I think eventually this is about the time Hong Kong. It's getting a lot of refugees from China, and at the same time, it's sort of developing its own identity separate and distinct from china um it sounds and i'm again i'm not an expert on on this but i've my impression from reading and listening to things just like is that at this time you know there there comes like like it's, it's governed by a british governor who people tend to like okay more and gotcha at the same time, it's like this this kind of stark contrast to what's going on in China with the the cultural revolutions. The uh, the when was sort of, Tiananmen Square? That was the late. That was shoot. I should know this, <gasps> Michael. Oh, I don't know. It's eighty nine or ninety three or nine. Okay, gotcha. So that's still a long ways away. Got it. Yeah, but I should know this off the top of my head, and I don't. I feel bad. No, sorry, you're fine, Christian. Michael. I'm failing you. No, if you use Chinese search engines, I completely understand. Yeah, 1989. Okay, 89. Got it, it was 1989. Yeah, it was 89. Yeah, I get my my odd number years mixed up around that time period. 89, 91, 93 stuff. Well, I but, wouldn't um, have even got the century right, Michael. So good on you. But yeah, so that's sort of that's that's sort of where things are. Yeah, there and and like I think there's a bit of like a at the time that that you know they're sitting down to make. Uh, just sitting down to make in the mood for love. I think pr- there's probably some feeling of nostalgia for the '60s, for that older sure. period. The same way that you know, we we always have like waves of nostalgia for pastimes here in the U.S. Like that that '80s revival that totally. that happened a little while back. That, that yeah, I think we're in like a '90s revival now in a way, or a '90s 2000s revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that sort of way that that culture kind of picks a previous decade and looks back and looks back warmly, or. And then, you know, sometimes it's obviously weaponized, too. I mean, we've seen that here in the U.S. Mm. with sort of this, this make America great again image. It's like the the more, I think, 
dangerous version of this, but I miss picket the, fences, Michael. Yeah. And the well cut uh, lawn. And then the wife who's always got dinner ready when I need it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Michael, speaking of the glory days, um, the in the mood for love, there's a scene towards the end where they seem to use like archival news footage. Do you remember this? Maybe. Are you mixing? No. I remember them using archival news footage. There's like a cutaway. It's like towards the very end of the movie. I think they do a time jump to where um, they move away from each other or whatever. The guy moves away. Okay. And then there's like some kind of archival insert in there. And I wasn't sure what it was. I was hoping you might be able to shed some light on it, but that's okay. No, I... I'm blanking on this right now. I think you what I'm mixing this thing. up right now with the other one Kyra Y movie we watched where there is this also. I think maybe there's some archival footage used with the when it transitions to Singapore for a bit. Okay. Yes. Yes, that might be it. Because Tony Lung's character goes to Singapore to help with a, a news publication there, I think. Yes. And then comes uh, back to Hong Kong okay. a couple years later. And I think it maybe in that sort of mix up but where we're switching time and place. Maybe I got gotcha. something. Okay. But I don't I don't remember exactly, which is maybe bad of me. Michael, one of your favorite movies and you don't remember the cutaway to archival footage. Wow. I'm sorry, question. I'm sorry, question. It's not a big deal. I was just curious because I had no idea yep. what was going on. Okay. Because I don't know history. Let alone Chinese okay. history. Okay. I'm a fool. I think I think there's some stuff where they go to where they go to Shanghai, uh, Singapore. Yeah, though. I think you're right, and I think that might be where it comes up. You're a genius, Michael. Maybe. It's not. I don't think it's like the same thing as like, you know, where you get Scorsese movies where it's set in the 1800s and then right. the end done like a a time right. lapse and now the world ta- the the World Trade Center is there yeah. and then it isn't and right 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 whatever. But I don't think it's quite that same thing. Um, yeah, I got you. I think. So we do get that same, and this is where my confusion is because uh, Wong Kar Wai definitely uses that same mechanic in in the Grandmaster, which we also watched for this, as like his tool for yes for setting up transitions between Hong Kong and and Foshan and right. So that was um, him too. I didn't realize that. Same guy what? in the mood for love and the Grandmaster. Yeah, same guy. Oh. Um, really shows in the visual language. I think right. Yeah. The uh, the the way it's sort of you do these like you get these sort of slower motion kind of images cut in with these these more standard motion yeah like like standard speed mo- images you've got this this stuff you've got a lot of very striking color a lot mm. of very big yeah. like deep contrast mm, yeah camera focused on your main characters as they're doing as they're they're um, particularly at a very dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. And like contrasting that with sort of the, the, this darker background, um, a lot of that same visual language is there. And then uh, some of the cast, uh, definitely Tony Lung is yep. back. He plays Ipman in this one. Um, did you with the Grandmaster? Did you end up? I guess we can is, uh, before we transition. Is there any kind of other thoughts you want to share on on in the mood for love? Or are we good to move no, on? I'm good or? to move on, Michael. Let's do it. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, The Grandmaster, yeah. Uh, this is the other Wong Kar Wai movie we watched. This is the first time I've been able to see this one. Ooh. I'm very curious, what version did you watch? Uh-oh. 
There's more than one version? I'm screwed, Michael. There is. Was it two hours and ten minutes, or was it like an hour and 40-something minutes? Uh-oh. I'm going to have to check, Michael. You're making me nervous. Did I watch the wrong version of the movie, Michael? Because I did. You watched the wrong version? I did. How did you realize this? Uh... I was very confused by the way the plot was rolling along. Oh, sure. And it w- like it wasn't making... It, I guess the plot itself wasn't confusing as much as sort of the, the way the dialogue worked into that plot and reflected that plot. Interesting. Um, there were some weird editing decisions that seemed to be made, some weird sequencing. And lo and behold, it was because I was watching the American version that was... Oh, there's an American version? Yeah, edited for international release by the Harvey Weinstein Company. <laughs> so the gift that keeps on giving. Apparently the Chinese the original Chinese release is miles better. Interesting. It's like the preferred version and maybe makes a little more sense and and it's maybe a little more coherent. Gotcha. Um it appears I watched a version that was two hours and ten minutes long. Oh, you watched the Chinese version. Okay. You watched the right version. Good, good. I'm glad I didn't screw it up this time. Yeah, I mean, you gotta be careful there, Christian. I tread carefully when it comes to these foreign films, Michael. The winningest yeah. movie in Hong Kong Film Awards history? The Grandmaster? Is it, is it really? Yeah, I think it holds the record right now for the most Hong Kong Film Awards won at one time. I think it won like 10 or 13 or something ridiculous. Like best That's director, crazy. best score, best supporting actor, or best actor, best supporting actress or something. Like just all of them. Just won oh, all of them. Cinematography. Just gave it all of them. That's kind of neat. I guess. It's a lot of That's awards. Interesting. It's the only Wong Kar Wai movie with Academy Award nods. Oh, really? Which is interesting because he, this guy is like one of... Like, if you look up, like, these these sort of, you know how magazines do their lists of greatest directors of all time. Sure. Or greatest living directors and stuff. Wong Kar Wai is usually in, like, the top five or yeah. top ten. Interesting. And it's usually for stuff like Chung King Express, In the Mood for Love, and then the two. the In, in the Mood for Love prequel, then the in, in the Mood for Love sequel. What? Yeah, I guess we should go back to that for a second. There, there's a prequel. There's a very loose prequel that involves the the female character. And there is a sequel that involves Tony Lung's character. And that one is like, he's a sci-fi science fiction writer now. And some of it's still set in like seventies Hong Kong or sixties Hong Kong. And then there's like a couple of little bits and pieces that are set in the universe of his like science fiction writing. And there's like robots, like fembots and stuff. Whoa. It's a little weird. That does not seem like the kind of movie that would get a prequel and sequel, let alone... No, I know. ...either one. I know. It's kind of crazy. Weird. But uh, usually those are those and then, like, Happy Together and Fallen Angels and stuff. Usually, Those are usually the movies that are cited with Wong Kar Wai being, like, with, with holding him up as a great director. Sure. And then it's the Grand Master that gets, like, the nods in the West. And I think part of that is obviously it's got this sort of international distribution rights given to uh, okay, yep, yep. the Weinstein company back before the Me Too movement and, and things. So interesting. Um I think it's interesting, yeah. What did you what did you think of the Grandmaster? I thought it was pretty boring, pretty humorless, pretty yeah. tiring. I wasn't really into it. And I wish I was. But this it <laughs> I watched the Grandmaster uh for a couple reasons. I watched It Man before 
watch mm-hmm. Ant-Man before this. And then I was like, okay, so this was a real guy. I wonder yeah. if the Grandmaster makes this guy seem more human. And and not really. And I was a little disappointed and let down by that, Michael. Because yeah. Ip-Man is a human, and neither of these movies really make him seem like a human being. No, not really. I I do like the the the... I don't want to get too far into into the, the I guess it's interesting to kind of contrast these. There's like okay, so there's like six If Man movies at this point. Jeez, and they all came out within like and they all came out within like a decade and a half of one. Good another. lord. Um, obviously, and and the big ones I think are the Grandmaster and then Donnie Yen's the one with Donnie Yen. Yeah, the, the other one we watched. There's like the, four of those, aren't there? That movie has yeah. like three sequels. Yeah, there's three sequels. That's I think insane. The latest sequel came out recently or something. Jeez. But, um. I was I was thinking about this, and I felt weird thinking that I actually kind of preferred the the other one to the Grandmaster. I certainly did. Like, like I preferred Ipman because even if it's like this kind of goofy, nationalistic movie, like I think Donnie Yen as Ipman was really likable. Yeah, in a way. he was very yeah. affable, very kind of kind. Right. And then just the fighting was so yes, great. Yes. Like they with Donnie Yen, I mean, I don't think he's as, I don't maybe think he's necessarily as good of a, as a, as a dramatic actor as someone like Tony Lung is, mm-hmm. but he's a martial artist, so he's able to physically do a lot of this. He's able to really throw that physicality into it, yeah, and it shows mm. so much. Mm. Um, on top of that, I liked that it wasn't all like black backdrops, yeah, and everything. You could see what was actually happening for much of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And as a I'm sorry. No, go ahead. As a as a plot, it was also just way more straightforward oh, and coherent. totally. Oh yeah. You could tell what was happening, why and when, who was who and what was just mm-hmm. um obviously some of it's kind of ridiculous in this sort of like standing up to the Japanese invaders kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> which which in modern China has a lot of very political undertones to it as well. Oh yeah. But uh, as just like a, a movie star- with a guy doing a thing and having to like and, and following him along through this, it just made so much more it was so much more coherent. It was so much mm-hmm. more so much more of like a, an easier to follow story. And it was so striking then to go from that to Wong Kar Wai's The Grandmaster, which is a yes. lot a lot more um, obtuse, I think, in its sort of right. storytelling. Yeah. And it also has this sort of weird, one of the weird things, that, or one of the things that stood out to me was also that, like, the strongest part narratively, I think, was the part that had nothing to do with the Ipman character. Exactly. Yeah. A made-up character. Right. Fictional the character. Gongar, the, the the assassin from, or not the assassin, she's, the like, the, the daughter of the, the master from the yep. north. And, yep. And her revenge story. And, like, that was so much more engaging than whatever, right. like... Ip Man was supposed to be doing at this time and it was just so weird that this is a movie ostensibly that's a, a, a biography about Ip Man and then it's like just kidding we're going to save our actual narrative heft for this other character yeah, 100% definitely yeah. agree with that and it's weird because I think even like the trailer is like doubling down on the fact that it's about Ip Man and even like the first stretch of the movie is all about him and we get like narr- he's narrating it in the beginning yeah and we get like scenes of 
like or text on the screen talking about his life at this point in time. And the movie's called The Grandmaster, so it's very heavily implied that said Grandmaster is it man, but it's not really about it man. No, I know, which is so Yeah. And um I do like Mm. One thing I will say is I do like sort of the portrayal of the Japanese invasion in the Grandmaster a lot, where it's just these sort of almost painting-like images of Ip Man's family really struggling. Yeah. While you have explosions and things are rattling, like things are rattling. Yeah. It sort of makes the horror way more, uh, this like horrible war way more abstract and more menacing than it is in, in... the the Danian Ipman, yeah. which is where the, the, the Japanese are like comic book villains. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, literally, like the guy likes kung, like the guy likes fighting, and that's his whole the the Japanese general's like whole ra- reason of being here <laughs> is like he wants to he wants to watch the Chinese kung fu or something, and so you get these ridiculous tournament fights and stuff. Um, Heck yes, which sets up some fun fighting. Oh yeah, the Dude, those uh, action scenes in it, man. Mm. Is there one in particular? What, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite fighting scene? I don't know if I can pick any, Michael. They're just so good, so well helmed. The camera just zooms out and lets you appreciate the beauty of martial arts. Yeah, love it. I would agree, but I think there is one part that really stands out. Mm. Do you the the Do you remember the fight where? Against the ten Japanese yes. karate yes. black belts, you betcha. That sequence, and it's like an important. It's framed as a very important part of this movie too, because it's sort of right. the moment that that Eatman's character sort of steps out of the sidelines and into this this conflict here and under in occupied Foshan. Yes, um, but just the way he lays into these ten guys, he completely mm-hmm. wipes the floor with them, mm-hmm. and like. They want you to see all of it, yeah. and it just—it's so, and a big part. And this is where I think, like you know, the fact that Donnie Yen is actually like a a, a trained martial artist yep. really benefits because he's. It really focuses on like, it really lets him kind of tap into that and and show this this like physicality of the fighting and stuff like that. So you get this crazy stuff where he's like breaking bones and mm-hmm. dislocating shoulders. And then doing that, like that, that rapid punch stuff. Yes. Oh, I love that move so much. I love great. when he slams someone on the ground. And love yeah, I, I've gone back to rewatch that sequence multiple times since the mm. first time I saw Ipman because it's just so crazy the way it's like put together and and stuff. And and it was something that was definitely missing then going into <laughs> the Grand Master, which I think is still well choreographed for what it's worth. Sure, sure. Uh, it's hard to, I think, see some of that choreography because of the way it, it sort of leans yeah. into that that darkness as a mm-hmm. as a framing device. But um, just I, I really missed that because it's so f- genuinely fun in in the the uh, the the original Ipman movie. Yes, I could actually see what was happening in in the Grandmaster. There's so much. It's very artsy. Like that, it starts out with a fight in the rain where it's really dark, and then like it looks yeah. like it was filmed on a soundstage or something, where there's like spotlights blaring, and there's so many like cutaways to like fists punching through rain or like feet 
like kicking up with dribbling water coming off and i'm like okay that looks really cool yeah but i want to see how beautiful the actual martial art is because it looks awesome i've seen it man i know how cool it looks show me that yeah and that was something that i was struggling with and at the same time i loved a lot of those cutaway stuff i think it's like a like where there's a, I think during, there's a fight on the train platform. Mm-hmm. Um, someone is thrown into like the railing, mm-hmm. and you see like the screws pop, and that's like oh, the camera focus on the screws popping right. out of it. So you get like these sense, the sense of impact. I liked the so the fight in the rain. I thought was kind of cool, just because I like those kind of slow motion through the rain and stuff. Um, and that's sort of Wong Kar Wai as a director doing like playing into his visual style a little more. Yeah. And I really like that visual style. Uh, I think it fits better in some of the quieter moments. Um, there's oh, yeah. a scene where he lights a, a, a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And like the one guy who like identifies himself as a Tai Chi master, I think. Yeah. He's balancing like the match in his, between his two fingers and passes over to, to Tony Lung, Zipman. Mm-hmm. And like the camera then focuses on sort of the the phrase of the cigarette burning and mm-hmm. twisting. And like I love that stuff. Totally. I don't think it helps with some of the kung fu stuff though right um and this was where i was worried whether or not this was you know the editing from the american version versus the chinese version yeah we have the one that is definitely wong kar wai's image of this movie and then we have the one where harvey weinstein's bros chopped it up for an american audience thinking that americans can't take (laughs) complicated (laughs) films um so silly yeah so interesting Interesting. Very interesting. I think I saw some kind of like tirade somewhere. It was a guy who teaches uh, whatever um, It Man's fighting style was. Wing Chun? Yeah. He teaches it. But it's a guy who's taught it for 30 years in Utah, I think. Okay. Who wrote an article about, I don't know. I don't know if it was real or not, but he said he didn't like the movie because it didn't show off the martial art very much. He said, if you want to see the martial art in action, watch It Man. And then the whole comment section was people like, uh, this person's clearly not an appreciator of film and only cares about martial <laughs> arts. They should probably not be talking about movies. Excuse me. It felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, it's like the, the, yeah. I think that that happens every so often too with a lot of these movies. Like, I think I remember there being like triads against the last Jedi over the weird, the, the choreography and the, the courtroom fight. Oh, sure. It's, and it's, it's people who are like martial artists who are complaining about movies doing movie stuff. And I don't know. Yeah. I understand the concern, especially if it's like. I understand the criticism, but at the same time, it's it's sometimes like a really uncomfortable fight. Yeah. People get really defensive about movies they like, too. Yeah. Yikes. And it makes it even worse. Oh, boy. So, I don't know. Oh, boy. Liked It Man, though. I enjoyed I did. It Man. It's, but I was, yeah. I was a little let down by the character of It Man again in that one, because he doesn't really change at all. He's a really great guy. You know, he's fighting for his fellow Chinese man. Go China. Woo! Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, he doesn't really, like, evolve. He's just, like, always a nice guy. And we spend the whole movie waiting for perfect man to have the perfect moment so that he can show Japanese that perfect man can only come from homeland China. Rise up. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, 
his character doesn't really develop much except that he has this moment where he kind of sits to the sides and just does the honorable thing right. until the world doesn't let him be do that anymore and he has to step in to do what's right. Um, but then I think we sort of get into this this sort of writing Superman kind of thing. Oh, sure. Where you have a character who can like brush off their surroundings mm-hmm. and is already like this this paragon. So then the story then becomes about how the people around him change. How is he a catalyst for the characters around him? And I think you get a little of that in Eatmon. Totally. Some of it's obviously baked into this, this sort of nationalist (laughs) uh, rise up against Japan, (laughs) against the foreign invaders kind of thing. Yeah. Unite China stuff. But um, at the same time, like, I think that's sort of how you would like, it's the same way as you, you think about how you would take care of a Superman or a right. type of character or right. a Goku and Dragon Ball Z or something where you have a character who's already a good guy and he's already all powerful in some kind of way. Like, you know, he's not going to, to physically lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it becomes more about how they impact the world around them and how they develop the world. And I think in that regard, I think it, it mount is a little more forgivable because yeah. I think you do see that dynamic yeah. He's like teaching the factory workers how to rise up against uh, the yeah, yeah. the the bandits and defending the the people of Oshan against the northerners and hurrah. Yeah. There's a little thread at the beginning where um at the the beginning of the movie's happy fun times where everything's good cuz Japan hasn't invaded yet and there there's a part where uh, the wife is kind of like nudging a man like, Hey, you're not hanging out with your son very much. Mm-hmm. What's the deal? And then you can kind of like, see, he regrets that. And he's like, you know, he's torn between showing everyone how great their part of China is at martial arts or being with his son. But then as soon as like war stuff happens, that's all, all pretty much gone. Yeah. The whole thread about his kid is kind of gone. Yeah. Um, it's, there's the kid. Uh, what's funny is I think there's a there's a fight scene that's genuinely like comedic. Yeah. In the beginning, the kid bikes in, like and interrupts <laughs> on his little little tricycle. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And I just I was just thinking about that. Um, I what was interesting to me then is I think with Wong Kar Wai's movie is you have Ip Man no longer in a position of being this sort of superhero, right? Yeah. He's in Hong Kong at a time when it seems like, you know, a lot of the old martial arts masters are down and out. Mm-hmm. And there's like a story there then where your superhero is suddenly no longer super. Yep. Um, but they don't do anything with that. That's the part of the movie that immediately then becomes about this, this, uh, a Gong R's character, the, uh, the Gong, um, the, the northerner mm-hmm. getting revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's like a scene where they have him crying behind text that says that his kids died of starvation. Yeah. And I think that's like right after he refuses Japanese rice or something. He like says, I will never eat Japanese rice. And yeah. that gave me like weird vibes. It's like you're putting your honor over the lives of a couple of your kids. And I guess that's justified because we're only getting a text blurb about it. So I guess it was good. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too, because it seems like this would have been a time to kind of interrogate it Mount as a character, whether it was right for him to yeah. to do this. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's something that, like, 
that's kind of like a plot point you could levy again uh, leverage against a, a lot of like fictional mm-hmm. uh resistance type characters yeah and i think it's a genuinely interesting one it's like yeah you're willing to put your life on the line but line but what about your family and and they kind of don't really engage with that much other than that he says he won't accept Japanese rice and then suddenly his kids die as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I mean, there's this other side, of, there's this other part of it. And it's noted in the movie that, you know, starvation was rampant during the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't really say that even if he had accepted Japanese right. rice, whether or not that that would have guaranteed anything. But it's still like, it feels like maybe this is a cause effect thing because the their death comes immediately after he he swears off the Japanese invaders. Mm-hmm. So, right, right, right. I was still just frustrated, Michael, because I mean, it man as a human being seems like an interesting guy. Like he was a cop for a long time. He got his butt beat by a couple people, or like a college friend or something. And he was like, "Man, I'm really embarrassed, and I really want to get better because of it." We don't really see it man in any of those positions in these movies. He had a drug problem for a while, I think. Didn't have that problem. I think he had like a bunch of kids die, and he had a a lot of kids and that's that stuff like all of those personal struggles i don't see come across in a lot of these movies and i don't know i just stuck with this sentiment where i think i saw like a behind the scenes clip or like some sizzle reel or something about the grandmaster and it's like some guy being like well you thought bruce lee was cool the only person cooler than bruce lee was his master and i was like well you can you could say that about him, man. You could say the only person cooler than him was his master. He had a master. He's a human being. It just yeah. makes these people, that it makes it man feel like this untouchable mythical figure that no other human person can ever strive to become. But he was a human being. Yeah. It's a little frustrating. It is. And the other thing that sort of, maybe not frustrates me, but it sort of pops into my mind a lot is is sort of this... We like when we every one of these movies ends on the same note. Oh, yeah, and that's Ip Man popularized Wing Chun and <laughs> taught Bruce Lee. Yeah. Let's go. The end. <laughs> yeah. Except I think one of the Ip Man sequels is actually about his relationship with Bruce Lee. Really? I think. Don't I think I saw like that. a screen on Netflix of him standing across from Mike Tyson. <laughs> is that i don't i don't I'm yeah curious there's what stuff the like that. Behind that i think there's i think there's like a uh you know like a rocky three in one of these or oh, whichever where he fights it. the russian <laughs> really? i think it's like i think there's like an equivalent to that in this series That's at great. least once if not multiple oh great where he's like i fight the the british boxer <laughs> weird instead it's like i don't know but yeah, um it's just it's it's like then is the point not to care about Ipman as a character? Is it the point just then that right. we care about Bruce Lee and this is right? He's the reason to watch this, not Ipman. Yeah, this, this exactly. genuinely complicated person. Or I don't. Even, I don't necessarily have a problem with him being portrayed as a superhero. Then just let him. Yeah, I don't know. It just it. Yeah, I guess I. It is very weird to me that we have all these biopics and all of them are just like mythological. Mytholo- Mythologizing this, mythologizing this character rather than, you know, digging into him as a complicated person who lived in complicated times. Yeah. Very confusing. 
I think I also saw like some uh, some interview snippet. I think it was in the lead up to the Grandmaster, like pre-release coverage or something of someone behind the scenes of the movie or something saying that it is very accurate. There's only one small character who was fabricated for the purposes of the film. But I don't think that really bore out, Michael. I don't think so either. What's the deal? He broke the cookie and proved that his yeah. martial arts is good. <laughs> I do like I do like Tony Lung as Ipman a little bit. Yeah. But I think that's part of me just liking Tony Lung as an actor and being able to play up these sort of very dramatic mm. quieter moments really well. Um but that's neither here nor there. Sure, sure. So. Open the hell up. What the hell is going on in here? You guys were supposed to be ranking every Marvel fight scene from best to worst. I'm shutting this show down.